The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good to see you back here for the second part of my conversation with Mike Baroni and the CEO of Asset Pharmaceuticals based here in Switzerland. We continue to discuss what about the vaccines, what about the rollout and the logistics of it, and hopefully get some answers. What could have been done better or could be done better going forward? No, I think it's a very dangerous thing for any country to try and make it uh, mandatory uh, because I think the repercussions to that throughout the system, not only because of this pandemic, but but just everyday life will be affected tremendously. And I don't think we want to do that. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. A couple of questions there with the vaccinations themselves, because there was this huge ethical debate whether or whether not to make the COVID-19 vaccination actually mandatory. So dictated Mm -hmm. by law or not. And, you know, the um, ethical uh, rat, ethics rat in Germany said, no, absolutely not. People should be able to decide themselves. How do you stand on that question? Should it be something that is mandatory considering we do have a global pandemic or should we all just say, hey, if you'd like (laughs) to, do it? Oh, hi. That's a tough question uh, because I think if you start doing that, then then you know you open up uh, Pandora's box because as soon as you open up that issue and say this is mandatory uh, and compulsory for everyone, uh, then uh, how about the other vaccinations that we have? I mean, there are a lot of mothers and fathers, for that matter, don't want to vaccinate their children today. A very risky position that they take, and in my opinion, a very wrong one, uh, but they do. And so what, what's going to happen to that? So, I, no, I think it's a very dangerous thing for any country to try and make it uh, mandatory, uh, because I think the repercussions to that throughout the system, not only because of this pandemic, but, but just everyday life will be affected tremendously. And I don't think we want to do that. Mm-hmm. So. I'm, I'm with you there. And then I find myself in the situation, I'm not somebody that gets the flu shot, the vaccine at all. Never done it. I'm also, I was always against it. My husband on the other side, he does it every year. We both had COVID at the beginning of last year. So we were one of the early ones because we mm. traveled so much. So in January 2020, we fell sick and only found out in May of last year that we actually had it because we did the antibody test and we both showed positive on the uh, antibody test, which was an interesting one. But if I think about it, uh, I had... COVID and um, the actual trajectory of the ailment was was not easy, okay? And I'm a fairly healthy person. I look after myself, but it wasn't easy. My husband 
quite a bit older than me. And let's put it this way, not living as healthily as myself, it was much, it was much, much easier on him. And we suspected that potentially the flu shot he had only a few weeks earlier uh, could have helped to this. My question here is, now, I will now get vaccinated, but not necessarily because I believe in the vaccination per se. I believe I do it for humanity. And I believe that if I want my life back the way I had it pre-COVID as much as I can, I need to vaccinate because there will be airlines that won't let me in. There will be countries that won't let me in. There will be hotels and restaurants that won't let me in unless I'm going to show them digitally, hey, I am okay. And I know I'm going to enter into an ambiance with people that are also vaccinated and okay. So isn't that kind of mandatory from the back door, just driven not from the public sector, but the private sector? Okay, it's a good point. Uh, but I think that's the way it should work. I mean, obviously, the restaurant owner or the uh, airline uh, organization uh, is simply exercising their right. I mean, uh, they don't want someone that's infected uh, to infect uh, a number of their passengers, and then they would get sued if, God forbid, one or two of them pass. And the same thing with the restaurant owner. And I think that's exercising their right, which is, I think, the same issue as exercising your right, whether you want to be vaccinated or not. And I to try and tamper tamper with that, I think it's a very, very dangerous thing to do. Let me quickly interrupt the conversation to say thank you that you are here with me on the channel. If you do enjoy what I'm putting out, the in-depth kind of conversations, then why don't you subscribe and also hit the bell button so I can keep you informed with our newest releases. Thanks for that in advance. And let's get back to the conversation. No, I think you're spot on. You're spot on. It's yeah. our choices and yeah. you want to do it, do it. And I would also, if I had a restaurant, I would definitely uh, make a distinction. And then, of course, the ethical issue is, well, it's your choice. If you want to be yeah. in my restaurant, get the vaccination and then you Correct. are free. Correct. If not, then there is a restaurant Correct. that might let you in. Uh, another issue I wanted to talk to you about, Mike, uh, about the variations. I mean, you do produce also pharmaceuticals. The, va the variants, the mutants are... Yeah this virus. How alarmed are you, let's say, by the B1171 that seems to be spreading faster, but not as harshly on the body? How are we supposed to take this? And how does that really fall into place with the vaccination process we just talked about? Well, first of all, I think you have to remember that the normal um, yearly flu that we experience is also a, uh, the same family, okay, same COVID family, okay? And so, you know, uh, to me, uh, mutations uh, is, is a very normal part of a virus. I mean, a virus's aim is to survive. And they will find ways uh, to uh, try and, uh, and survive. And, and that's what they do. Sure, we do have variants. Uh, we've had in the UK, we've had in South Africa and, and uh, Brazil now. Uh, in general, I would say that if we are being vaccinated and we have the antibodies uh, for uh, a specific virus, and it's in the same family. I cannot imagine that any variant uh, is, it's going to be 
the vaccines will be effective against the variant, but maybe not at 95%, but at a certain percentage. I don't know whether it's 30 or 50 or 60. So therefore, the people might get infected, uh, but the outcome might not be as severe. So what I would say, uh, and I said the same thing a while ago for a lot of people such as yourself that don't take the flu shot, <laughs> is that they should take the flu shot, even though they might take the vaccine uh, again uh, for the COVID-19, because I believe that that's just adding to the armaments that we have in our body. Uh, so, yeah, sure, it is. Uh, I think it's, it's par for course. I mean, anyone that, that, that thinks that the, vi uh, the viruses will stay the same doesn't really understand viruses. Viruses always mutate. Yeah, they mutate to just be able to log on to the cells in the body in the best way. But they want to survive. They yeah, want to they survive. will survive. They're ahead of the curve. That is yeah. absolutely it. So what about the lockdown strategy? Is that really viable? Well, I mean, we are seeing now, I think last week, the um, the COVID cases globally is down by 16% on a week-to-week -week comparison. Yeah. So do lockdowns work, you think? I believe they do. Uh, but uh, I believe that the uh, masks and hand washing and distancing uh, you know, physical distancing is uh, uh, what matters the most. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think it doesn't really block the virus. It just, the, 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 the spread is going to be slowed. And because our, our hospitals cannot deal with it. Mm. You know, this is something that I think is, as we've seen it in the United States, whether it was New York or, or, or we've seen it in Wuhan where it started, we've seen it, we see it today in Brazil, in Mexico. Uh, we don't have the capacity to deal with the sick. So therefore, what we want to do, or at least what this does uh, in terms of lockdowns and everything else, is slows the progression of the disease so that if people get sick, we have the capacity to deal with them in our hospitals. I mean, that's It doesn't do anything else than that because the virus is, is going to play out, you know, its course. It's, it's going to happen. It's, I mean, you cannot stop it. You I, just can't. I, I, you can slow it down, but you cannot stop it. I'm so with you there, Mike. And that was really something that I was quite annoyed about earlier on um, when the lockdown came because we don't have the capacity of hospitals or just the you know healthcare system. I'm just thinking, hey guys, what about our tax money? Where did you put it? If not, um, you know, in the healthcare system in a substantial way, because this is uh, in times of a pandemic, which a lot of experts have already been talking about for years, and especially after you know the the Chinese flu and the avian flu, that this is going to come. It's going to come like a tsunami. It's going to come bigger. So please provide. Nothing has been done. So looking at, and I'm, you know, I come in from the economic side. I'm not a doctor and I am, you know, I see both sides. But when I see, you know, the slow death of what's happening potentially to our economy, you know, compared to the potential it, it, um, that it wasn't even needed if the healthcare system had been a little bit more subsidized, a little bit stronger, and kind of taking the uh, the experts seriously that a pandemic is about to hit. Well, uh, we can discuss that for, for, uh, for a long time. Uh, 
it's difficult uh, because if you build excess capacity in case of, you know, uh, in the eventuality that we will use it, that's, that's a hell of a burden on a country. Uh, I would have preferred, I think, a, an easier way to have dealt with this peak that we have hit in our in our uh, healthcare uh, facilities it would be in terms of uh, sick patients. I would have again incorporated the military. Uh, I mean, this is an emergency that a military is trained for. And in some countries, you're right, they have done it uh, and and maybe bits and pieces of it, but not not as a as a main thrust. I mean, I have never seen, even in the United States, a military man in any of those conferences that took place. and And I think it's so silly because these military people are trained for that. This is the, the, the you know, some of them are sixty, seventy years old, their whole lives. And they would have added a lot of value, in my opinion. So uh, to make it short, I don't think I would have built extra capacity in the eventuality that we would need it. I would have incorporated the military might. They would have, I think they would have made a big difference. That's an interesting one because I talk to a lot of you know, business leaders, CEOs out there, and uh, they are moving from the way of manufacturing from just in time, JIT, to J, just in case. Mm-hmm. Okay, so J-I-C, because they say that we have a world now, a new normal, that you have to really do your, your, your risk management at a level. Either you have the fantastic data predicting you really almost real time, what you should be doing in terms of, uh, of your business to adjust to changes, but you do have to spend on the just in case case. You have to be able to afford it to spend it. Very, very, very true. Okay, in order to to wrap up our conversation, Mike, if I may, uh, a couple of things. What are the key mistakes you can see in hindsight that have been done uh, in terms of handling this crisis? And also, what would you suggest would have been a better way? Well, I think the, uh, first of all, I, I told you before, in my opinion, the U.S. has done the right thing. I don't think Europe, Europe has, has followed suit. I don't remember too many governments, including ours, that has plucked down and then put on the table billions of dollars. We're, we're spending the money in supply now, but I don't remember us taking a risk and putting, uh, you know, 20 or 5 billion or 10 billion uh, and to make sure that uh, um, neither Novartis nor Roche are in it, of course, but uh, uh, Roche in the diagnostic side. But uh, I don't remember us uh, doing that in Europe. So I think I, uh, I'm, in a way, I would have expected Europe to have done uh, the same as what the Americans have done, which, which I uh, applaud. Uh, so I would have done that differently. Uh, in terms of the um, uh, implementation or the development, and so I have nothing but but praise for what they have done. Well, I mean, really, uh, there's nothing I can change. I haven't seen anything there that we've done uh, in the industry that is that is beyond just excellent. Uh, on the manufacturing side. Uh, you're right. I think we have capacity issues and uh, and some bottlenecks. Uh, 
Uh, and and in the old days, I mean, in the old days, a lot of these uh, countries had their own vaccine manufacturing. Okay, and because it was a national uh, uh, issue, and maybe we should revisit that. Okay, uh, we should revisit. The fact that that each country would say, no, 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 wait a second, we're we have an issue in here, and we've learned from it, and or we got to learn from it, and and we have to secure our own capacity. So I would expect that, and also including us here in Switzerland, I would expect that a lot of countries will all of a sudden resurrect that issue of saying we want to have our own. I think this is so spot on. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with Dr. Axel Müller. I don't know if you know him. He is the CEO representing really uh, the association of the um, generic pharmaceutical industry. And he yeah, said... Yeah, I know, I know Axel. You know Axel. Okay, so Axel yeah. just said, we need to repatriate. It does cost a little bit more. Yes, the drugs will be a little bit more expensive, but we cannot depend on countries such as China, especially in a situation like that, uh, that might be happening again, uh, on the uh, on the supply of the ingredients or the drugs themselves. We have to try to repatriate. And he's, I think, very much lobbying for that. Okay. Well, I, th I think we have point. to... Yeah, I think the governments have to deal with that. I think... Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure the government will because it's a major issue. The last one for today, Mike, and then I'll let you off, uh, is about the new normal. Everybody says that there's going to be a post-COVID world, if you can say that way. What is the new normal going forward, you think? What do you expect? Well, it's difficult to tell, but if this is the new normal, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't like it, but... Uh... No, look, mankind will will uh, survive. I think we will find ways. Uh, and I think we will do it better next time. And uh, I, I don't think this is a new normal. No, I think we will beat it. And then we will go back to the way we did things before, you know, um, to move about freely and do things uh, and and socialize and do everything else that that we're used to as human beings. I mean, we're that's that's us, you know. Yeah. So no, I think I think mankind will beat it. I think we will find ways to do that. I have no I have no doubt. Uh, I love that, Mike. I'm so with you there. Let's let's hope really that what you're saying is coming true. I also miss my old life, pre-COVID life. I I miss the hugging without thinking. I yeah. miss the, you know, closeness. What we are social animals. You know, we Absolutely. like to rub shoulders. We like to be together, huddle up, uh, fight. You know, whatever it is, but just be in interaction and not only mm -hmm. to wonderful technology that we are using right now, but still, I agree. Thank you. Correct. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely fabulous. Mike Baronian, and thank you, my dear Mentory TV community, for having joined us yet again for a fascinating conversation, this time with Mike Baronian, the CEO of Assad Pharmaceuticals. See you soon. Bye. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition 
and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.